It's the internet, you're busy, so let's do this. Welcome to the Games Beat Decides podcast. This is your podcast where we decide everything in the world of games so you don't have to. I'm your host, Jeffrey Grubb. With me is Mike Minotti. Hi, everybody. And also Stephanie Chan. Hi. Uh, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about news, uh, some games that we've been playing, and the future of the maker genre. Um, think of think Super Mario Maker there. Um, first, though, I want to thank everyone for joining us. You can get more from me, Mike, and Stephanie at GameSpeed.com. If you have something to share with us, you can email the podcast at GamesPlusPodcastAdventureBeat.com. That's the plus sign. Uh, we're also on Twitter at, at GamesBeat and at GBDecides. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, anywhere else, anywhere you find podcasts. And if you are on one of those apps and it gives you the option to review us, do that. Helps people find the podcast. So um, let's talk about some games that we've been playing. Uh, what have you guys been up to the last week? Pick somebody. I'm not going to talk over Stephanie by accident. I was, I was really hoping that you would embarrass yourself right off the bat. And yeah, I know. Start talking I, I'm not going to yeah. fall for your strap. <laughs> um, <laughs> Stephanie, why don't you go ahead and give us uh, maybe the lowdown of what you've been playing? Sure. Uh, I just finished Yonder, the Cloud Catcher Chronicles. It's like this new open world uh, kind of farming exploration game. Uh, replayed What Remains of Edith Finch, always great. And I just started Kingsway today, which is super exciting. I'm going to be writing a review of that. What's, now, what's Kingsway exactly? Uh, it's good. It's like it's like an OSRPG is what they call it. It's it's like a old school fantasy RPG, but like the whole interface looks like it's like an old Mac computer. So it's pretty cool. Okay, see, for a second, we said OS. I'm like, oh, what, like operating system? Then you said old school. Like, oh, no, it means old school. And I'm like, oh, no, it does mean operating system. Both. <laughs> I went on a roller coaster there. So, like, there's, like, a map window that you can, like, select. And then once you, your character goes from one town to the other, instead of walking across the overworld map, you just get a loading bar. And and then uh, random battles might happen, like, in the middle of that uh, that loading bar. And the, the enemies, I mean, like... You've been playing more of this than I have. I played a little bit of E3, Stephanie. Like the enemies, it's like they like drop as like other menus on the screen. Is that how it works? So like the way the enemies work is they like show up as like a separate window and then they kind of like float around the screen and then you have to kind of like click to like attack or block or use your spells. And then sometimes you get ambushed by like several enemies and then there's just like a ton of windows like floating around and it gets like to be chaos because everything is in windows. So you got to like click to your inventory, click to see your status, you know, like click into like use a potion. So it can just be sort of like this weird desktop management kind of situation. Yeah, I really liked what I played a bit uh, at E3. I'm, I think we're going to, you and I are going to try to do a video of it here pretty soon to kind of show everyone a little bit more about it. But it, it was, I mean, it sounds, I think, I guess it could sound boring. Cause maybe all the uh, accoutrement of like, an RPG is is what you go to there for. You want you want all like the fantasy settings and uh, the you know the de- detailed armor or whatever. But I found it to be very fresh and cool and kept, uh, kept me want to. Uh, it made me want to play a lot more than uh, what I could play at E three. Yeah, um, totally. It has a ton of personality. Uh, Edith Finch, uh, what did you think of that? Um, I I haven't touched it. I keep going back and forth on whether or not I'm going to play it. I'm, I'm, I sometimes I really enjoy these kinds of games where it's like you know walking around the world and seeing a story. But what do you think? I loved it. Um, this is the second time I played it, so uh, I sort of revisited. It's like a fairly short experience, depending on how long, like how much time you want to spend exploring the house. Like, sort of on the surface, it's kind of like walking similarity, like, but um, 
like you basically go into these mini stories that are a lot shorter and each one has like different mechanics like there's one where you're like um you have to sort of control a character in a dungeon while also like doing another task with your other hand so it like it really does some very fresh innovative stuff with the mechanics um and you have one more game but i think we'll come back to you before we're, we're done mike uh you just nope. did a review of splatoon 2 yeah you've been playing it too i have know. yeah yeah thanks for reminding uh, yeah. me i forgot yeah you're welcome i don't want you to forget yeah splatoon 2 is great I mean, it's very much, it's, it's a lot like Splatoon 1, obviously, but it's not kind of the Splatoon 1.5 that I think some people were worried about. It definitely still feels like a, a full sequel. Um, you know, the, the single player campaign is completely new and, and fun. And I, was, I kind of like went on for Splatoon 1 about how much I like the single player campaign, um, largely because I feel like people don't talk about it that much mm -hmm. for whatever reason, because I guess, it's, you know, it's marketed as a multiplayer thing. But yeah, I love Splatoon 2 single player. I love the kind of the level design, the... Uh, weird sort of like i don't know uh just like the like the way you have to find levels and yeah a little yeah i don't know it's just it, it it's weird because like you expect it to be a filler thing and it's not a filler thing yeah and um, i think i think uh you're right it's definitely a full sequel as long as you take into consideration that single player campaign which you have to it's it's uh it's yeah. crucial and new and there's a, mm -hmm. yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff in the in that level design right well then the other big thing is um salmon run the horde mode which is mm -hmm. a pretty that's true addition right. especially once like you're gonna have like that'll be best when you're literally playing it with friends on their switches like in the same room with you that's and you know playing online with strangers is fine that's gonna be really neat that way i think um, in land mode you could play it at any time but if you do go yes. play it online it's just it's at certain points right yeah that's kind of like that's like the only like weird negative about this game it's just these kind of stupid weird decisions i mean when me and you were playing we were getting very frustrated trying to just play the game together because mm -hmm. you need the app which comes out when the actual game comes out to group up with people um so maybe you know that problem won't be as big a deal when the app is out but I, I still think it's bizarre that you need to use outside software on a different platform in order to group up in a game yeah, like there just uh, wasn't even the option, which it was mm -hmm. weird. So, yeah, weird gaps in the features uh, that I guess you could expect from N Nintendo, but it's also you can't really forgive them. Right. Um, at, at the same time, though, we, we played a bunch. Uh, um, we're going to. No, it's always fun. When yeah, you're I'm going to post it. that multiplayer video that we did uh, later today. It was yeah, it was a blast still, even when we were getting split up and having to face off against each other. It was still a ton of fun. It, um, it really is just like another game that shows how cool like the switch basic idea is it's awesome yes. having this game like portable maybe like and not just like well you can play the single player mode portable maybe like, you just you can play a multiplayer whenever you want super uh, runs great in the handheld mode it's easy to control in the handheld mode yeah i think I, I think i will stick with this splatoon even further and even longer than i did the original just because of yes having it all the time it's a digital digital game it's on, on a system you actually like yeah. exactly uh steph are you are you considering this game at all i mean I, I know you've been playing zelda for for a while there and now you're playing some other stuff are you gonna get another game for your switch does this break your no shooter rule it's yeah. it's kind of a little bit more fanciful yeah yeah, I mean, Splatoon has such a cool look, though. And I think, mm. Mike, you and I played a little bit of Splatoon 2 at E3, and that was pretty fun, even mm -hmm. though I was, like, horrible at it. <laughs> but I guess that's an excuse to get it so I can get better. There you go. Get good. I, yeah, I do. I, lo I, love the, I love the weird, like, like punk street art meets mm -hmm. pop idol culture meets, like, life aquatic aquarium <laughs> stuff. Like, it's just so bizarre. Yeah, meets fish it. puns. Yeah, oh, yeah. the puns. Oh, carp. Oh, carp. 
It's the one I kept saying. Yeah. Right. That's what I like. It's it, it manages to be so punny and kind of weird, but like also still be like cool yeah, in hip. a weird way. Yeah, it's cheesy and hip at the same time. It's a hard, I, I, it's a hard I, balance know, to strike. It's a cool dad. Yeah, exactly. As, I, cool dad. As cool as like we're like uh, able to call something cool anymore. I guess. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Maybe Good we point. don't know what cool is, but no, I'm sure I don't. I'm positive I don't. But for me, I love it. Yeah, it I seems very hip. Um, yeah, I, I think the only other thing I would say is that I, I, about that single player campaign, it's not just the bosses, which I think the first game, like the boss fights were the big standout. Each level is, has its own, uh, unique stuff. Like, um, it'll focus in on like these rollers, for example, that you shoot and they unfurl and become bridges or ladders. And you, you do that and you're like, okay, it's going to be just for the platforming. But then they like mix it into the combat and you're taking yeah. out groups of enemies. by It's, it's kind of like playing unfurling. through the, uh like the le- the more linear 3D Mario games like Galaxy right. or 3D World it, it, it's kind of like that level design except it's primarily a shooter mm-hmm. but there's still like all the stuff going on it's it's just it's it's just like classic Nintendo stuff that i love yep totally um I, that that's kind of all i've been playing other than PUBG and i'm not going to not going to do that again at least not this week Please. Um, you mentioned but, it already, so it counts. It's yeah, fine. exactly. I got it on there. That's all that matters. Uh, Stephanie, though, you also played Yonder. Uh, what What is this? I, I'm like completely lost on this one. Uh, it's. Uh, I don't think there has been like that much buzz about it, but it's basically like this open world, like adventure. It's like a very light, casual experience where you're running around, and it's like very beautiful. Um, but it's sort of meant to be like a relaxing experience where you can like have a farm and you can like you know, find animals and like, there's a lot of fetch quests, uh, a little bit too many <laughs> fetch quests, but it, it's pretty fun. It's good for people who want to just kind of unwind, you know, and like run around and there, it, there's kind of like a cool social aspect to it where you can like leave uh, geocaches for other players and like different hmm. areas of the map, like in caves, like there are a lot of little caves you can explore. Um, so that's pretty, it's like pretty fun. Um, I was playing it for a review that went up, I think, yesterday. So pretty enjoyable, but like nothing super new. What uh, what platform is it on? It's on PS4. Okay. I'm trying to think if it's on anything else. I think it's on PS4 and Steam. Okay. Right, I, I still have um, Stardew Valley in my pile of shame, so I definitely I need to hit that. Up um, it's, I'm waiting for Switch version. Yeah. yeah, I guess oh, I need yeah. the Switch version now. I bought the game, and then I was like, oh, I'm probably still going to wait for the Switch version, and that's where I'm at right now. Uh, but but do you have more time now that you've beaten Trails in the Sky, Mike? Oh, sorry. Uh, you yeah, zoned yeah, out there. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, I sorry. I got an email real quick. I was like, oh, I can read this real quick while Jeff's saying something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Trails in the Sky. Yes, I beat Trails in the Sky second chapter, which is uh, kind of this, this RPG series. Uh, they're fantastic. They're, 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 the kind of cool thing that they do is that it's a very much a classic RPG. You're walking around. You go into towns. There's you know. It's a kind of a fantasy thing. There's magic. There's you know battles with turn-based combat. Cool thing about this game is like, like it's it's populated about as much as like your classic 16-bit RPG. But like every NPC has a name and maybe some kind of personality, hmm. and their dialogue will change after pretty much every big event. So like it is kind of fun just like go around and talk to people. Uh, it's basically a game where like the localization is just so good. It's almost the reason why you like it. And like you know the combat is good and all that stuff. That's what's great about it. And yeah, I just really like this. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Japanese role-playing games the last few years. I've kind of been like bucket listing off a lot of the big ones, like your, your Suikoden's and stuff like that. Um, you know, I was kind of a little skeptical of 
uh, Trolls in the Sky first because you know it's not like a classic necessarily. It's not quite right. that old, but you always hear people go on about it. And I just it's funny because like the first one is like this thirty hour. It doesn't feel like a prologue as you're playing it, but it kind of ends up being a prologue to the second one. Second mm-hmm. one's like the it's a much bigger. It took me about seventy hours to beat. Like the story really ramps up. Uh, it's great stuff. But I'm in this like. I'm like almost anxious now thinking about like how I continue on with this series because you have third like the third chapter, but it's more of like it's like a spinoff thing. It's not important to the story, but it's basically like, hey, do you like these characters? Look, here's like us wrapping up their stories or loose ends and all that stuff. I'm like, ooh, I kind of want to see that. Do I want to devote 30 hours of my life to seeing that? Uh, probably. <laughs> but then there's and then there's also like there's also like two sequel series, one of which they haven't like translated yet and who knows if they will and then that makes me anxious like what if mm-hmm. i could just what if i get it like in deep and i can never play that but then the other sequel series is like another three games and they're all 40 hours longer and more i'm like oh do i gotta devote the time to that plus it's at the point now where all these games aren't just available to me on my vita uh and yeah. that's where i've been playing a lot like just jrpgs in general like god i love the vita for playing japanese role-playing games it's so convenient for that because i could just play like an hour every night in bed um, like, you know, these two Trails in the Sky games, I think I played through them, like, those months, at least six months, I was just kind of whittling through them and just having a good time with it. And now it's like, I don't know if I could have that same experience playing this game, like, on Steam. Right. And it, like, it only just kind of recently came out on Steam in the last couple of months, right? hmm So. Yeah, third chapter did. Yeah, so it's kind of. And those Vita announcements have sort of dried up. Even even these even this genre, which still was managing to make its way to Vita for a while there, uh, the last one we kind of heard it was Undertale at E3 got announced, and that was it. Um, so yeah, who knows if this is going to end up on there? But it's you, not. I mean, they, they even said so. when they did second okay. chapter on Vita, it was kind of a goodwill thing for people who you know had the first one on there. At that point, they knew they were going to make the money with the PC version, right? Um, yeah, it's, I, I honestly, like, the only hope for me is that JRPGs kind of uh, journey over to the Switch and that mm-hmm. kind of becomes the new home for these things. Right now, it's it's surprisingly Steam and uh, not so surprisingly PlayStation 4. Mm-hmm. But PlayStation 4 is fine for like the AAA stuff. But again, when I'm playing something that, you know, not, not that the graphics matter, but it's just if it already kind of looks a little, you know, old schooly and not AAA... You know, something that would have ran on a Vita. I wish I could just have it on something portable. Yeah. I I mean, I just read a headline that, you know, like 3,000 people lined up in Japan for uh, the, a chance to to win the right to buy a Switch. So right. there's definitely that audience in that country. So hopefully the devel- that like leaks over to the developers who then want right. to make just, the games come to that platform. I just hope it happens. I hope it happens sooner rather than later because there has to be kind of a winning over period just because. They're not see like the Vita had JRPGs immediately because Sony platforms just get all the JRPGs. Right. You know, makes sense. So I hope that they just kind of realize, hey, like we need to put the Tales of series on here. We need to put the Trails series on here. You know, pretty much every Japanese role playing series should be on the Switch. Like, you know, Kuni 2 should be on there. Like, you know, yeah. like, why not? All that stuff should be. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so do you know what you're going to play next if you, if you don't go on with the Trails of the Sky series right away? Do you have another well, JRPG like locked and loaded? The other one, the next one is Strange Journey, uh, the Shin Megami Tensai game. Uh, this is the one that came out on the DS. Uh, it's actually getting a remake for 3DS soon, but I have the original one. I think I kind of just want to play right. that. Um, so that's, that's kind of like the other thing is trying to get... I, I played all the... Not all of them, but the, the recent Persona games. I love those. I played Shin Megami Tensai 4, which I liked but didn't love. But I want to try to 
go back to some of like the really highly regarded Shin Megami Tensai games and see what I think of those. And uh, this one kind of seems like a good one to jump into. Um, we're going to move on to the news here pretty soon, but I want to ask you guys uh, one last question kind of about what you've been playing. Have you been catching up on 2017 games at all that have come out so far this year? I, I've kind of stalled on Nier, and I'm planning to go back to that soon. Uh, uh, gosh, no, a lot of my time has been my, my classic always, play, always playing games, Overwatch and Hearthstone, mm-hmm. Trails in the Sky at night. I've been reviewing a lot of things like Splatoon 2 and then Crash Bandicoot before that, Final Fantasy 12 before that. And um, honestly, like getting back into Final Fantasy 14 a lot, which I talked about last week. So that's pretty, yeah, not really anything else. Although yeah. I've already, I've been doing a pretty good job keeping up with most of the big releases. Yeah, this it seems year like, anyway. yeah, you've been, you've been doing pretty well, but better than me, anyhow. I'm like, no, looking I'm at, better than you as a person, so it makes sense. <laughs> I'm like looking at Nier, I'm like, oh, I got to get past that. So then maybe I could like try Neo, but then there was. Neo is one I haven't done. I've just, but I'm not a big Souls guy. Yeah, so I'm like, I yeah, still want to okay. give it a shot. We'll see. How about you, Stephanie? Anything from earlier this year that you're kind of catching up on? Uh, no, my backlog is like so huge, yeah. and I saw a bunch of Steam sale stuff, and I, I downloaded the uh, the Darkest Dungeon DLC, and that's still just been sitting there. Like, mm-hmm. I love that game. I just haven't had a chance to to play it. Yeah, I like how you're like, oh, my Steam sale stuff, I should play that. And I've just, as a person, I've given up on that completely, like for years now. Like, it, it's there, I'll still buy some games, but many of these I'm, I know I'm never going to play. Uh, yeah, it's bad. Wiser than I am. Yeah, 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 I still buy the games, though, so it doesn't make any difference. <laughs> um, okay, we'll get into the news right now. Um, there was the big D23 event, uh, that's the Disney thing that happened last weekend. Uh, I think the big news out of there for gaming wise anyhow was the kingdom hearts three trailer mike what, what, i mean yes. you're a big fan why don't you just tell yes. us what's going on what what is going on with kingdom hearts what is, what is and why kingdom is kingdom hearts so they unveiled the new level which is toy story which is actually a big deal for a few reasons i mean toy story was already a big deal when the first kingdom hearts came out right but it was just kind of this weird random unspoken rule in those games that there were no uh pixar worlds in them and it might have actually been a company mandated thing because back uh, when Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 came out. Yeah, 2 actually was maybe right about the de- time the deal was struck, but when it came out, Disney didn't own Pixar, and there's actually some friction between Pixar and Disney's CEO at the time, Michael Eisner. Um, and it was kind of looking like once the contract which was done, which was right before Ratatouille, Ratatouille was going to be like the first maybe not Disney one. Mm-hmm. Pixar might not necessarily be a Disney thing anymore. But then when uh when Bob when uh Eisner left, Bob Iger took over. This was I think around two thousand six, somewhere around there. Like one of the first things they did was bought Pixar for like billions of dollars. Right. Um but even 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 since then with all like the the portable games, we haven't had any Pixar worlds represented in Kingdom Hearts, which you know does all the Disney stuff, even live back. You know, we've had Tron for kind of lab, but not Toy Story. So getting a Toy Story in there. It's a signal that like all Pixar is game now mm-hmm. and that, you know, one of the big Disney things is in there. The other cool thing is just that it's like this land. It's like this landmark moment where, wow, look like the video game version of the Soy Story characters looks just about as good as like how they look in the movies. It's incredible. Right. They look it's like it's like looking at Woody and Buzz, like the way like not how they look like they're even animated super well. Uh, gosh. And yeah, it's just also cool. Like, you know, again, I, I can't get over this. This is a action Japanese role-playing game where Donald, Goofy, Woody, and Buzz are in your party. Yeah. It's incredible to me. 
Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's been around for years, and I really, really don't like the first game. That's the only one I've played. But it, yeah, you're right. You're, the concept. You're a hater, I know. It's really bad, but the concept. Shut up, Jeff. The concept right. itself is still phenomenal. It still really is kind of shocking that it even exists in the first place. Yeah. It's so surreal. Yeah. I I, and I mean, we got to see some of the combat. It's like super, super flashy to the point where some people are almost worried. Like, is it going to be all flash over substance? Like, is attacking with your sword still going to be like important? But uh, I, I'm assuming they're just kind of focusing on the flashier bits for the trailer. Yeah. But I mean, he's doing things like jumping into giant robot mechs for a bit and shooting missiles out of them and like summoning giant weapons out of thin air that like get bigger as he swings them around stuff. I mean, it looks slick. So uh, 2018, is it, is it really going to yeah, make is that? Yeah, is that 2018? Yep. Let's, let's say late 2018, but they said 2018, <laughs> which, you know, some people were like, oh, this is a coming out till 2020. So, you know, uh, you know, all these things will always be delayed, but I f- I'm feeling it. You yeah. know, it's about time. They finished Final Fantasy 15. They can do anything. I mean, they can do anything. Well, I mean, this is this is the project right now. Right. For all those guys. Right. I think one of them, I think Final Fantasy first, I think Final Fantasy 14 or Realm Reborn having, you know, they had to basically remake that game. Right. They so they're good. Delayed resources. a lot of stuff. I, I know that right. and then he did Final an interview, right? Same what happened, right? Is this what he said that these, this is what got in the way? Um, he kind of says that about 15 at least. It's, okay. it's pretty heavily implied. He very recently, he, he, he did an interview where yeah, Tetsuo Nomura, the uh, director, was he was kind of blaming the, the engine change because mm. uh, I think they were using like their in-house engine and then they changed to Unreal Engine 4, which I actually think was probably a good thing in the long run. It's right. probably, probably actually made development work faster after that point. But yeah, I think, you know, Square Enix has never been great at like allotting resources for their AAA games. Uh, but this, you know, is the project right now. It's, this is the all hands on deck. After this, it'll be the Final Fantasy VII remake, I'm sure. And so, feel good about it. 2018, it's happening. Moving on, uh, RuneScape, the, the old school RuneScape, is coming to mobile. Uh, did any of you guys ever play RuneScape? It's a game I no, still I had a little touch. cousin who, like, RuneScape was life for him. Yeah, there's a lot of people that feel that way. I, I None of us, apparently. I think it was one generation below us. Yeah, maybe. It was uh, like kids who didn't have any money who parents wouldn't <laughs> let them play World of Warcraft were playing a lot of RuneScape. Yeah, exactly. And, it, I mean, it's been around since before World of Warcraft, like, a couple of years before mm-hmm. that. Um, and, you know, they... They updated the game over time. They came up with the uh, the new version of RuneScape, but then they wanted to win over fans who left the game, so they reintroduced old school RuneScape, as it's like officially called. Uh, and that's OC the old RuneScape. Yeah, it's the old version of the of the game, and now that game is coming to mobile. Where I bet a lot of the people who were playing that game originally now they're probably playing games on their phone. It's probably a good idea to bring it there. So yeah, I'm very curious how well this works on the phone, right? Because mm-hmm. the idea of like having a portable MMO is enticing, but you know, it's a phone. Yeah. It doesn't have buttons. Uh, and if there's any genre that requires the use of a lot of buttons, like as much fun as I like playing, you know, I have playing Final Fantasy 14, I probably have like, like 25 different like inputs I need to use at any time, mm-hmm. <laughs> probably maybe closer to 30. So trying to replicate that with, you know, uh, a touchscreen with, you know, that has like what, two? <laughs> you can, Tap here or tap there. I don't know. Yeah, maybe they're hoping people will play it on the tablet or something. Yeah, that'll be a li- that would be a little bit easier. Um, Even then, it's like. But like, I mean, I Final Fantasy fourteen is on a is on consoles, right? How do people play that with a controller? Uh, it's like every time you hold down one of the shorter buttons. Oh God, just, really? Which is what those are. 
Oh, yeah, man. even then, it seems like it's not enough to me. I haven't actually, I haven't played it on consoles in a while. Like last time I did, my character was pretty low level, so I didn't have a whole ton of abilities. I think most people but play I, it on PC. Yeah, I think most people. I think people who play on consoles are. It's a much more casual play style in there. But uh, I mean, yeah, I got it to work there. But I mean, you know, I don't know. You couldn't get Final Fantasy fourteen on mobile, that's for sure. Yeah. All right. Roots games also, I assume, simpler, so it's fine. Yeah, I'm, they'll, they'll make. I mean, they've. Plenty of games have made that transition, and it works one way or the other. How well it works, we'll, we'll see. Uh, who wants to talk about Player Unknown's Battlegrounds? Yeah. Oh God, it is here. Yeah. I was just about the first person thing. <laughs> yeah. So it. the um, the, the game you could switch between third person and first person at any time. Uh, the developer announced that it, later this month, when it does its monthly patch, it's going to introduce first person only servers. So these are servers where you can't go in the third person, which if you, if it's hard to understand why that matters, uh, think about being behind cover and your character's completely hidden, but you could still see over the cover. Uh, so you have like no risk of of getting the the lay of the land and getting your situational awareness. You can still view everywhere. And I, I don't mind that. I just I've learned to understand that um, sometimes people are going to be able to see me and I can't see them. So I have to be even more careful. Um, but the first person only mode eliminates that. If you could see someone, they could see you. Uh, in, in every situation, which may, may make the game more tactical, but I'm, I'm wondering to see if it's still going to be quite as fun uh, not seeing your characters, not seeing all the janky yeah. animation and I stuff. I mean, I haven't played nearly as much as you, but it seems kind of like Intrinsic. well, custom to the third person thing. Yeah. I mean, everyone play if you're playing the game, you're playing in third person, and the only time you're going into first person is to aim down sights. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But I, I'm willing to give it a shot and see, see, what, see what it's like. Um... Next up, the International 2017 prize pool has now surpassed the International 2016's $20 million or so. Uh, it's the largest esports prize pool in history. Uh, they're, they're just going to keep doing this, I think, every year, right? Because the way they do yeah, it, yes. they, the way they do it is through, you know, crowdfunding, basically. Like they sell, uh, they sell, uh, you know, their special digital goodies. Fans buy that stuff up and 25% of the, of the sales go towards this prize pool. Um, and I think this year it it looked like it wasn't going to make this this threshold of beating last year's. Uh, so Valve like did like a deal or something. They like introduced a special coupon. I don't know what they did. I know they did something, and it got people to buy a lot more. And then of course it shot over the uh, the last year's uh, last year's high mark. So I, I wonder if they're afraid of of not passing like of not setting a new record each year. Uh, but at a certain point, like twenty million dollars for a single esports event. Is it more than enough? Because like this it seems is seems almost excessive. It seems almost like it's like twice as much as like most golf, like the biggest golf tournaments. Like just it's a, it for seems example. like I don't know. It almost seems ex- yeah, it seems almost not gross, but it almost <laughs> seems a little bit like. Eh. I mean, if, if, if people want to spend their money on this stuff, and that's like how much it's worth, then yeah, go for it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know why Valve th- maybe feels the need to beat that mark every year. I don't know. Uh, I think the last story, Persona 5, is now playable on the emulator RPC-S3. So this is the PlayStation 3 emulator for PC. In recent months, it has seen a bunch of improvements, and it's running games a lot better. And Persona 5 is now at a point where it's not just like you can't just it's not just you can boot it up. It plays just like it does on PlayStation 3. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm surprised that the, the PlayStation 3 is already this. Uh, yeah, well, it is strange. I don't know. I don't. I, don't, I guess I mean you know people don't have PlayStation Four. They really want to play Persona Five. 
pretty badly. Right. But I mean, the PlayStation Three version is worse. I mean, even oh, though yeah. it's I mean, later on PC, I'm sure it maybe it runs a little better. Even still, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I just think it's. I mean, the demand once the demands out there, people find a way to get these emulators to run a lot better. Uh, which may explain why the original Xbox there's is still a, there's not. a game that'd be good on the Switch. Huh? Yeah, for real. I mean, that is that going to happen for Sony Five Golden on the Maybe. Switch? They're, they are making some kind of Shin Megami Tensei game for the the Switch. They announced that forever ago. Yeah, I just I hate how the Nintendo uh, consoles always get all the uh, off brand. I mean, I know Shin Megami Tensei was the original series, and Persona's the offshoot. But at this point, Persona's like the at this point not title. so much anymore. Yeah. yeah, at this point, Persona is very much the uh, it may be almost all of uh, mm-hmm. JRPGs at this point, except for maybe Final Fantasy still. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I do think that's going to do it for the news, though. Anything else, guys? Anything else we should talk about? No, I think we're good. Yeah. All right. In that case, we are going to go to a break. And when we're back, we will be talking about how fans are stepping in to take over the maker genre um, that was started by, well, maybe not started, but most recently exemplified by Super Mario Maker. Uh, We're going to get into that real soon. Uh, We'll be right back. Whether developing, playing, or simply hosting games on a server, Intel makes it happen. And Intel wants to make sure the biggest innovations in gaming continue to happen on the PC by giving developers a hand with the Intel Game Dev Program. All you have to do is sign up, and Intel will provide the resources necessary to help you continue to innovate and make gaming even more amazing. Head on over to Game Dev Program at software.intel.com slash gamedev to get started. Once again, that's software.intel.com slash gamedev. You can go ahead and do that. Stephanie, I always ask Mike if he's going to do that, but this time I know you're going to do it, right? Thumbs up. We got a thumbs up. (laughs) It's a podcast. Okay, and we're back. Um, let's go ahead and get into this final segment. Uh, this was inspired by a couple of recent uh, revelations from some fans making games. Uh, the one is Mega Maker. I think it's mega-maker.com. Is that right, Mike? Uh, that. I downloaded it, but I don't remember the URL. Uh, and the other one is a basically a Super Mario 64 Maker. Uh, I'll try to post links in the show notes. They're all, they'll also be in the uh, the show notes on if the they're still up. podcast. Yeah, as long as they're still up on the podcast post uh, for this episode on gamesbeat.com. Uh, essentially, though, I mean, Mega Maker enables you to make your own Mega Man levels and share them with others. And Super Mario 64 Maker is a similar kind of thing where you're just placing uh, familiar obstacles and elements from Super Mario 64 in a 3D space to create your own courses. Um I guess my big question here is why are fan developers the ones that have to be to be the ones to do this, uh, especially after the success of Super Mario Maker on the Wii U? Right. It's 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 interesting because Mario Maker has been a, a couple of years now. It was 2015, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you, we suddenly we kind of assumed that other people would be like kind of jump all over this concept, and at least Nintendo, right, would like put some other games on there. Or, what have you? We haven't really heard anything about it yet. They ported it to 3DS with uh, less features, and and that's been about it. And I mean, I still you still have to think something's coming, right? Um, it'll probably you know probably just a Super Mario Maker two on the Switch, but even then, it's like you know why why aren't other franchises kind of uh, doing this? The interesting thing with Mega Man was that 
I mean, you remember Mega Man Universe? Yeah, they were going to uh, do this. They were going to do it. It had a weird art style, which was, you know, a dumb decision. So, you know, obviously people just went to look like regular Mega Man. But it was going to be like, make your own 2D Mega Man games. Uh, it was like one of the last things that like, they made a trailer for and they had in you know, a Fune there like promoting it like right before he left and like that whole Mega Man series went super dormant for a while. Right. But uh so but yeah, but this is basically kind of that concept except it's the retro Mega Man look. And I imagine it's kind of easy for fans to make this game in a way because you know there's so, there's like what eight eight bit Mega Man games. There's a lot of assets that you can just kind of take and make a little creator for and yeah people can make their own Mega Man levels. Pretty simple. Yeah, I, I'm not simple. I'm sure it's hard to put together, but you know, relatively speaking. Yeah, I, I always forget that 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 um, Mega Man Universe game was kind of right there at the end of what we imagine as the era of Mega Man games coming out on a regular basis. Um, right. Remember, for a while, it used to be a joke, like, "Oh man, more Mega Man," and now it's like, "Where's Mega Man?" Yeah, exactly. There are no Mega Man. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, how about you, Stephanie? What What do you think when you see developers not doing this and instead fans stepping in? Uh, I think it's like some developers want to create this really tightly curated experience, you know, for the fans. And they're like a little afraid to like let them loose in like the world with the characters. But I mean, even back like with Warcraft 2, you know, there were like the map editors and you had like people putting together tower defense maps. And then, like you said, now with the, the Mega Man levels editor thing like it, it just seems like something that fans want to do and i'm not exactly sure why devs are so reluctant to include that i don't know maybe it's like a technical thing like mm-hmm. that's difficult to, to include or something like that yeah i mean you're right like, the, like there's there was a time when um level editors were in most games uh not just like shooters but like tony hawk always had like a level editor and stuff um i um, the advancements of super mario maker were it made it super easy uh, and kind of fun. The game itself was making levels to, at, at a certain point, which is something I, I don't think uh, many of the other editors and, and game making tools that were built into consumer games uh, ever, ever really nailed. They never made it fun right. to actually build. Like you had to dedicate yourself to getting good at it. Um, with like a little big planet, like that was the whole thing of yeah. that game. But even still making levels was kind of like this chore. Yeah. And something like something you had to learn how to do. It wasn't something you just did. Like it wasn't Mario. That's right. Uh, and, and I don't know if Mega Maker or this Mario 64, you know, Maker game are fun to play, but I, I still, it still seems like the only people even trying this now are fans. Well, I guess one thing that helps, right, is that it, it is probably inherently faster for fans to make a game in some, like, surprising ways than it is for an actual company. Because actual companies have, you know, structure and delegation and supervisors and, you know, meet, you know, uh, marketing plans and all these other things that have to go into this stuff, whereas, you know... Fans are just people dedicating their time to it. When they're done, they can release it. And as long as it's something relatively simple, what you know, which reuses a lot of art assets, like these kind of projects do, um, I could see how they could. Yeah. yeah, I could see how they could do it maybe faster. But it's still weird that there's just seems to be no movement in the kind of big publishers to do this sort of a thing. Um, I mean, you said that you were. I mean, something's going to happen here. I mean, we're that means Nintendo, right? We're expecting a new maker game from Nintendo. Does that mean a new Mario maker, Zelda maker? Like Mario maker for sure. It's, it seems like a top down Zelda maker would be the next thing. Like done, like a Zelda dungeon maker, yeah. right? Would, would kind of make sense. Um, it, it'll be weird because it'll, it'll be very different from Mario. 
in a way, because so much of that is like making these really fun platforming things, whereas Zelda, you, you'll have to try to make interesting puzzles and kind of stuff yeah. like that, but it could still probably be done. And maybe, you know, they are trying to figure out that challenge of how to make it as interesting as Mario Maker was. Yeah, I um, I do remember like making levels in Mario Maker and yeah, you would try to make the platform and challenging, but at a certain point, especially if you were making a level specifically for one, like one of your friends to piss them off or something, you would end up making a lot of puzzles and stuff. So I could see how that would translate really easy to Zelda. And not only that, uh, I remember that the GDC talk they did about Breath of the Wild, where they showed that uh, the uh, 2D version of Breath of the Wild, where they're like, hey, we had reasons to have all these assets at hand for some reason, and they never specified exactly what that reason was. Uh, and, and they were just testing the mechanics of Breath of the Wild using those art, the 2D, 2D art assets. Uh, to me, that seems like, man, maybe they were in the, in the midst of making Zelda Maker. That's what they're doing there. They're figuring it out, and it's going to look like that, that 2D version with the sort of slight 3d shadows and stuff um it would be awesome i mean especially you know now that you've just released a proper zoda game and you kind of ran out of remix to do it mm -hmm. seems like that seems like something you can do with that series yeah fill in the gap um but i mean i guess so i mean do we think that this genre is even a genre like can it support anything beyond like mario and zelda like can other people come in here with like a i mean Mega Man was definitely super well suited to it um it, it you know it definitely is something Capcom should have gone to because again Mega Man by its structure is kind of like it's kind of based on a grid like the level design very easily mm -hmm. probably it's just because it's an eight bit game but it's just it's always been kind of gridish to me right? right and like the levels have such a kind of familiar structure of you know you start you platform you jump you, you know and then there's the boss room and all that stuff it seems all about as well suited to it as anything um, so like you know classic two D franchises are always have some hope there i mean you could do it with sonic i don't i don't see why not it'll be a little harder because sonic has slopes right it's not just yeah kind of a uh, hard edges like in the 2d mario games it's a lot of physics also yeah there's <laughs> sadly uh castlevania maker will probably not be happening no. in konami's current state yeah, like or maybe that. they'll have some renewed interest in that franchise you got the whole netflix thing going on there. Yeah, isn't that weird that like, we have a we have a castlevania like show on netflix but like we'll probably never get another castle. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird and depressing for sure. Uh, how about you, Stephanie? Any games that you can think of that would fit this model in the first place? Um, I think it's a little niche. I think like for me personally, I'd be interested in like maybe a a maker. Well, I mean, you kind of have this with like Terraria already. I was going to say like mm -hmm. a farming, like actually having a Harvest Moon kind of maker game where you can actually totally personalize yeah. your environment in the farm because you're still kind of constrained in those games. You know? Yeah. I guess, I mean, the way you would make that into like a fun experience is exactly what Terraria is. That, that's a good point. Where at a certain point, it's like if you're just designing a farm to look like a farm, then where's the challenge for the person you're making it for? But yeah, that, that, that I mean, that could still work. I'm sure smarter people than me could figure that out. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of come up, to like a brick wall when I start thinking about these after a certain point, especially like, cause most of them are going to be eight bit games, simple games. Um, I guess seeing Mario 64 working so well in that video, maybe got my mind racing that maybe 3d games are, are more possible than I first imagined. Uh, but even then I think that would be a lot more work intensive uh, than the 2d games for anyone making a stage. Right. So yeah, I yeah, don't, it's just inherently harder. I mean, even you see, even though, Little Big Planet was kind of 2D, even so just a little bit in that, how 
making it like a, a three-dimensional thing and make it more complicated right even having just things like you know not again like super mario make it worse because it is very grid based as these are kind of off the grid uh it becomes more difficult and uh, do we think that either of these games especially the super mario 64 uh, one are going to be up very long well capcom has always been surprisingly good about fan games especially the mega man ones there's a lot of mega man fan games out there already they even kind of helped make that Street Fighter Mega Man game, like an official thing. Hmm. Uh, and, you know, they're not doing a whole lot with Mega Man right now. Anyway, yeah. so Mega Man might Mega Man might be around. Super Mario 64, eh, probably not. Yeah, Nintendo's lawyers are going to be pretty ferocious about that. They always are. It's a, it's a shame. Um, I, I'm going to download it, though. I'll keep it on. I'll keep it on BitTorrent. We'll keep the dream alive. Well, so yeah, they, they're out there now. So, yeah. you know, it's somewhere. Yeah, I still have that No Mario Sky game on my computer and a few other ones. Oh, wow. Another Metroid 2 remake. That's somewhere. Right. Come get me. Come get me, Nintendo. Remake. At least they actually had a reason for wanting that went down now. Yeah, like, now it, it makes, makes a lot more sense. Horrible. Yeah. Oh, they were remaking that game too. Yeah, they're doing the exact okay. same thing. Okay. Yeah, so there could they, be market they, they, they must be working on a 16-bit version of Ocarina of Time also. That's why they took that down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, beyond that, I, I just think that I hope the fans keep doing this stuff. They keep, I hope they keep finding a reason to do it until the genre becomes something viable that other people are working in until Nintendo follows it up or something right. else. I, well, I really want Mario, just the original Mario maker on my switch. Like right now. Right. I mean, it's cause like the big franchise that it makes sense for like a mega man, they have the fans that are going to want to do it themselves. So they almost, they almost kind of have to race against the fans in some way. Yeah. And maybe they, they just know they can't. I mean, could Capcom make their own Mega Man maker now? If you, this thing's out, it's already like, I mean, pretty good. Why, they need to just do the Sega thing. Sega's kind of set a precedent here. You know, hire hire biggest fan, let them make the game. I mean, Christian Whitehead's yeah. well, making Sega. Like I said, Mega Man's already done it before. They should just like say, hey, let's let's like help out, make this, you know, polish this up a bit. Yeah, make it official. And make this an actual game. Totally. Like, why not? Yeah, Welcome why not? Like, what's like? I mean, I guess the support costs. Give them some money. Maybe, I, I don't know. I mean, but at this point, they're doing so, so much of the work themselves already swooping in and helping them out and turning it into something official and taking ownership of it. It seems like a good idea. Um, I don't know. I think we can wrap this up. Any, any final thoughts guys from you? Uh, no, let's try to figure out how much of a weep I'm going to continue to be. Yeah. Maybe I should play a shooter make game. Maybe I should play it. Yeah. Finally. Yeah. Play Wolfenstein. Gotta, Come on. Kill some Nazis already. A bit. Sheesh. I always feel like too, like maybe I should like read a book at, at night for like a month instead of like, <laughs> well, we all know that's RPG. not going to happen. Yeah. No, Manga. Maybe. <laughs> I don't understand how other people do anything else. Like, I don't watch any TV shows. Yeah, or everyone talk about Game of Thrones. I'm just playing games. Yeah. Not that I'm complaining about it. I like games. Yeah. I would say I'm playing games, but I'm just playing game. Just, just PUBG too much. I'm, yeah. I'm like nearing 200 hours in it already. So, all right, kids. Uh, first of all, Stephanie, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on the internet? Oh, uh, at gamespeed.com. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, I don't know. Doesn't sound familiar. And uh, and how about on Twitter or anything like that, if you want to share? Oh, on Twitter, I can spell it out. Uh, I'm at Sweiju Chan. So that's S W E I J U C H A N. And you, Mike? Hey, I'm Mike Minotti. I'm also at Gamespeed. I'm on Twitter at Tolkoto, T-O-L-K-O-T-O, since we're spelling things out. I'm also doing the Exploding Barrel podcast every week. That's at ebpodcast.com. I was also on uh, Too Old for This the past week. It's uh, kind of another kind of geek culture podcast. That's uh, uh, Too Old for This. That's, you know, on all the iTunes or whatever and everything. Else. So, yeah, been a podcasting machine lately. 
And I am Jeff Grubb on Twitter. Um, I, I don't have the podcast notes in front of me, Mike. So if you wrote something funny, I don't have it. Uh, I'm also on. Oh, man, I really did this time. You're you were right. Jeff Gruff, the crime dog. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's pretty good. Um, and uh, you blew I, it. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Your jokes, your precious jokes. I'm also uh, posting some videos on YouTube every once in a while. YouTube.com slash Jeffrey Grubb. Uh, we also have some videos up on, on YouTube as well uh, as a site, youtube.com slash venture beat. Uh, like I said, we're going to have the Splatoon do multiplayer video there. We're going to try to get some uh, stuff up for Kingsway. Uh, check that out until then. Um, we're going to go ahead and say goodbye. We'll get you guys next week. Uh, if you want, be sure to get a hold of us on Facebook. We might still have some destiny two codes to give away. Um, go ahead. Just comment on the video for this. We'll see if we can get that to you. Otherwise, thanks again. See you then. Bye. Bye.